Uh, dear Lord, we uh, pray to you through the righteousness of Jesus that you would breathe your Holy Spirit into this parish family. For you are the vine and we are the branches, and apart from you we can do nothing. Wherever we are right, encourage us. Wherever we are wrong, stop us. Wherever we are weak, strengthen us. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. I think I'll just, uh, if it's okay, I'm going to take like two minutes just to uh, <clears throat> tell you a little bit of how I feel in the aftermath of this letter going out. That most of you, I'm, I'm assuming, that have received it. <clears throat> Let me just say that I've had several people say, gosh, I guess you feel relieved and I guess you feel great joy. Or, uh, I, I, you know, I, to tell, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't feel relieved and I don't feel great joy. Honestly, I, I feel uh, heavy hearted. And I feel, I, I feel sad. And I've had to ask myself, well, then why did you do it? <clears throat> I've had to ask yourself, why, why, you know, where is this sadness coming from? And I think it's because the Advent is so precious to me. Uh, and as I explained uh, to the chapter Thursday night, it's a little bit like talking about who, who's Jane's next husband's going to be after I depart. <clears throat> and I... I I want, I want what's best for Jane, but I don't particularly enjoy talking about it. <clears throat> talking about it, and, that, and I know it's, that, that's kind of odd to say that, but that's just, honestly, that's just a little bit the way I feel. And I, th- I think the Advent is so precious to me, and let me say that uh, there is absolutely nothing in my life, uh, and I've thought about, you know, I've got my children, I've got uh, my marriage, I've got a lot, and I put it, but I put this right up there with that, that there is nothing in my life more important than, than this church get the right person to take my place. Uh, the Advent, Advent is unique. It's unique not only, not, it's, it's unique because even among the Orthodox churches, the Advent is unique. And because at least for 20 years that I know of, and maybe before, I, I don't know, but I know it for at least uh, for, uh, for 20 years that Advent has been built on uh, the theology of the English reformers, and uh, as, it, as as they interpreted the scripture, and as they interpreted Saint Paul, is uh, uh, and, and and there's nothing more important to me than than that tradition live on, and that we get the right person here. And what I meant to say in the letter, I'm not sure it came through as clearly as it should, but I will. I'm going to stay. I don't. I might be 80, if I have to be 85 before I leave, I will not leave until we get the right person. I, what I wanted to do is to put the powers that be uh, on, on notice, start looking, and when the right person comes, that's all that's important. When the right person that can take us into the next generation uh, and build on this fabulous, remarkable team of young preachers and program directors that we have here, uh, if we, if, to find the right person that can build on that is is something that uh, if it takes three months, that's fine. If it's next week, whatever. Or, or as I say, kind of joking but not completely joking, uh, if, if, I, if I'm an old, if they have to carry me out of here uh, at 85 years old and say, you've got to leave, even though he's not here, I, I, I will wait. And so that's what I want to say right now. I'm in no hurry to leave, and we're going to get the right person here, and I am absolutely total confidence that God is... Uh, knows exactly who that person is, and it's a person of God's own choosing, to, to quote Luther. Is that enough to say? That, that's, that's, I, I'm not even interested in goodbyes, and you're not going to hear me talking much about this uh, until I hear 
from the powers that be that, hey, we're getting close, and then, then I'll start. Then, then you'll hear from me. But until then, I'm going to keep on, I'm going to keep on telling those guys to keep their dirty hands off of that plaque <laughs> and that purple. <clears throat> so, uh, so that's it. And, and we're going to concentrate on, on what's more important, the most important thing in the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, <clears throat> so this is actually a, a simple class. Uh, I'm not going to be talking about uh, heavy theology or, or, or heavy doctrine. I, I am simply uh, going to uh, talk about how how theology hits the, where rubber hits the road so much. This, we might say, is practical uh, theology. There's, there's a passage, uh, the first six verses of the 21st chapter of, of, of Revelation that was actually read in church uh, the last time I preached. And I was attracted to this particular, these particular verses like a hungry man is attracted to uh, a, a, a freshly baked loaf of homemade bread uh, but I didn't preach from it, even though I felt trapped, because uh, I also felt called uh, to the passages in John, which dealt with uh, command love over and against preferential love. And I felt called to preach on that. But I kept saying, well, when I get back to this, I, I want to have an opportunity to, to teach or preach from Revelation 21. So we had this opening here, uh, this slot that was open. And I said, well, I'm just going to pick it up and I'm going to I'm going to work with it. I have I often speak with people uh, more frequently than you can imagine that are experiencing uh, really big time guilt uh, with the feeling that there is something in their past or even some present bondage that may be beyond even beyond even God's forgiveness. And my prayer is that through our looking at this passage afresh that that God will speak to whomever in this class that may be struggling in that deplorable condition, that God would speak to you because guilt is a killer. Of course, at the same time, guilt can be a great friend because guilt can be like pain. It can finally be the thing that sends us to the physician to seek healing. So, I mean, God deliver us from, from people who feel no guilt. My wife is a school psychologist, and uh, she, she had worked, has worked with children who feel no guilt, and that is a, even a more deplorable condition. Uh, but <clears throat> guilt can be a blessing. But my prayer is that God will speak to anyone who, is, who has this notion uh, that whatever is in their past, uh, even that could be uh, beyond uh, the grasp of God's mercy and grace. And the verses that I'm uh, talking about come from the 21st chapter the first 10 verses of the 21st chapter, if you've got your Bibles or if you've got those electronic Bibles. You know, I saw on television the other day a guy was actually preaching from an electronic. Uh, you know how we used to have, you know, the leather Bibles. you got a leather Bible so it could flop over your hands. But, but actually, and, and, you know, he was saying that if you'll turn over to, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I said, that's just too much for me. But if you've got one, if you've got one, that's fine. Listen, if it's, if it's the Bible, it's the Bible, regardless of the medium. So... Uh, if, if it's the 21st chapter, the first 10 verses, the context, the context, of course, is John is in exile. 
off the west coast of, of Asia Minor uh, because he says of his steadfast love to Jesus Christ. He says in the first chapter, he says, I, John, your brother who shared... He's talking to people who are oppressed and persecuted church. I am your brother and share with you in the hardship and the kingdom and endurance that we have in Jesus. I am on the island called Patmos because of, because of the word of God and my witness about Jesus. So he's on exile because he has refused to stop being a witness to Jesus. I heard with a loud spirit, write, write these things down and whatever you see and send it to the churches. So that's the context of what we have. And we're at the end of this book of Revelation. And some scholars see this as one of the most important uh, uh, pericopes, one of the important passages in all of the Bible because what you have here is, is paradise restored. He gets a glimpse of paradise restored. At the beginning of the Bible, you know, we have creation. We've got uh, what we, we might call a paradise, the Garden of Eden, where everything is beautiful. But we also see at the beginning of the Bible in the third chapter of Genesis, the fall where we have paradise lost. And here then, like two giant bookends, we've got the, the original creation and the fall of that creation. And then on the other end here, we've got another bookend. And what we see here is a picture of that paradise being uh, restored, creation restored. So I'm going to just read these verses to you if you don't have your uh, Bible. <clears throat> uh, listen to the emphasis on the word new. And then... Uh, I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with you. He will dwell in the new Jerusalem, and they shall be God's people, and God himself will be with them. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said, this is Jesus, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the fountain of water of life without payment. Maybe you've seen, I, I'm sure you have, the, the AT&T commercial where the guy he sits in the middle, he's got some children around him. Yeah, you see, everyone has said, if you haven't, it's, it's, it's a gym. I like commercials. My wife makes me mute commercials, and I'm always in this little battle. I don't want to mute them. I want to hear them. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, the, the man uh, says uh, to the children, which one is better, uh, slow or fast? And the kid raises, you know, you've seen it, fast. Well, why is that? And then they'll tell why they think fast is better. And then he, then he will say, well, which, which is better, more, another commercial, which is better, more or less? More. Well, gosh, well, why is that? You say, well, because if it's, if, it's, if it's good, you want more and more and more. But your parents say, no more, no more, no more. So more is good. And he said, well, if you put it like that, I see what you're talking about. Well, what if a man would ask his children, which is better, old or new? You know, what would they say? They would throw up their hands. Uh, well, but we, of course, we're talking on adult level. Which is better, old or new? <clears throat> well, it depends on what you're talking about, of course. Uh, a lot of people appreciate and highly value uh, antiquity and antiques. 
uh, antiques furniture, uh, wine, scotch, uh, even old values, religion, which is better, old and new. You know, people can be dazzled by the new. And they figured if it's, you've seen the book, New Perspective on Paul, well, see, people figure if it's, if it's, if it's a new perspective on Paul, it's got to be better, right? Well, that book is not in the library, in the bookstore there. <coughs> is that, is that uh, you know, give me that good old time religion. If it's good enough for St. Paul, it's good enough for me. You know the song. Uh, old liturgy, which is better, the old or the new, when it comes to liturgy? Well, you know what we think around here, uh, the angle liturgy. However good can be new. I mean, excuse me, new can be good. Uh, is there anything better than the way a new car smells? Anything better. If you're a golfer, what could be better than a brand new golf glove? Uh, new lease on life. Uh, uh, people I've talked about you could use a new lease on life uh, when you're dealing with uh, a job offer, maybe, or getting out of a job that you felt stuck in. You say, God, I feel like I have a new lease on life. You get out of debt. I feel like I've got a new lease on, on life. Well, new creation, if you heard new, a new Jerusalem, a new earth, uh, and that was deep in Jewish thought. In fact, in Isaiah, uh, we heard the prophecy of, of, of talking about God making everything, a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, Isaiah 65, behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered. And I will create a new Jerusalem where people are rejoicing. See, this is that, and, and Paul gets to see this lived out. I actually see this in Revelation. He sees the vision of it. Isaiah 66, a chapter later. For as the new heaven and new earth which I will make, it will remain, and there will be a new moon, and there will be a new Sabbath, and all flesh shall come to worship me, says the Lord. I guess we can understand the, the yearning for a new earth, but it might feel a little strange when we talk about a new heaven. And scholars have argued that point, but most uh, scholars seem to point out the fact that in the Bible, <clears throat> the heavens uh, in the Old Testament can often point uh, or symbolize God's otherness, God's uh, hiddenness uh, that is uh, not readily obtainable. But in this new heaven, you see, <clears throat> as we see in Revelation, you have God not only being accessible in heaven, <clears throat> but it is God himself who wipes the tears out of people's eyes. And as I've said before, if you've ever had your tears, my grandmother used to wipe tears. And as a little boy, well, I don't remember much about my little childhood, but I do remember sitting on my grandmother's lap and her wiping, her wiping tears <clears throat> out of her out of her, uh, uh, her handkerchief, which was red and blue check. But see, it's, it's how, how vivid that is. But here we have God himself in the new, in the new heaven will be wiping away tears. So we, we hear these promises all through Scripture, uh, in Isaiah and in Revelation, you got a new name, a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth, uh, uh, a new song. He talks about in the ninth chapter. But finally, in the verse that we read today, we see this resounding declaration that God makes all things new. So right at the end, it's like, all right, he's named these various things. So he says, well, I'll just, I'll just be sure I haven't left anything out. Behold, I make all things new. So there are two dimensions to this. First is the the creation itself. Quote, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, for as the curse is found. For as the curse is found. For as, for as the curse is found. Anybody, that sounds familiar? 
<clears throat> sound like Christmas? <laughs> it's joy to the world. But I, I've always loved that hymn because it, that's, that's, that's a, a picture of the new creation where there are no more thorns, uh, no more, the, the ground is not uh, infected anymore, no more cockroaches, no more mosquitoes. All these things are gone. And this creation will last forever. Uh, but, but we have symbols of this, you know, mourning. Mourning is, in the Bible, a symbol of newness. It's a symbol of freshness. It's a symbol that you get to start all over. You may not feel that way in the morning, but I do. I, I feel, uh, as I've talked about probably too many times, there's this great thrill that I have in the mornings when I go out long before the sun has come up in this dark, but especially in the summertime when, <clears throat> when the sun comes up earlier, according to our clocks, the sun starts coming up. And at first, there's just a, you can see the horizon get a little bit lighter. And then by the time I'm, I'm done, it's completely light. Uh, and you know the song, uh, uh, morning is broken like the first morning, a dew drops have fallen like the first dew, praise an election, praise every morning, God's re- re- recreation of the first day. And every morning is a little symbol of, of that, that new creation, uh, a new, a new uh, and promising morning. And Jesus says, I am the bright morning star, as, as he promises, he is the he is the star that ushers in the new morning. So that there's that cosmic implication of there being a, a new creation, but it also gets very personal too, personal uh, in terms of, of our, our physical being uh, and also in terms of our, our spirituality. Uh, I share with you before, so if I'm uh, repeating it, bear with me, but you remember when I told you about Tina? who was uh, in the children's hospital when I was doing my, my CPE in, in Washington, D.C. at Children's Hospital. Children, uh, she, she was a little child of seven years old, had AIDS, that, uh, that I visited every day just about. You remember the story? And uh, she, uh, every time I would come, she'd say, you just missed my mama, remember? You just missed my mama. And I said, well, I really got frustrated. I said, oh, I want to talk to Tina's mama. Uh, and I went to the nurse. I said, would you just, next time she comes, page me, and I'll, I'll scoot up here, she said. Pastor, uh, Tina's mama had been up here in months and months. And so the little girl was so, she was, a, she was uh, imagining that her mother had come. Uh, fantasy. I don't think she was trying to tell me the story. She just really thought her mama was there. So anyway, I, I came back uh, uh, after uh, the summer in the middle of the school year. I had not been there in a couple months and went up. See how Tina was doing? She said, well, she's at hospice now. There's a, little, there's a hospice there, but Catholic nuns that, that keep her, that keep children who are, who are terminal there. Uh, and uh, Jane was with me, and Jane and I went back to see Tina. And, uh, and, you know, it was just one of the most painful experiences that I've ever had in my life to see a little child like that suffer. So, so I'm walking out, and this is the scripture that they have over the door. Behold, I make all things new. And so it's that, it's that, that physical aspect of it uh, that, that, is so, that is so powerful uh, in meaning uh, to me. And St. Paul, he makes, he makes a contribution to this, to this theme. But listen to Paul. He's going to pick up on this theme uh, in, in his epistle uh, where <clears throat> this is Corinthians He's going to make a theological statement, and then it's going to follow with a therefore. So listen for the therefore. 
and Christ died for all, that those Christ died for all, that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we were once regarded Christ from a human point of view, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Remember, for Paul, there were basically two great divisions in all the human race. It had nothing to do with anything in the world. Uh, it had nothing to do with gender. It had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with uh, socioeconomic stratas or, or anything else. It had two, two primary divisions of the human race, those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. Well, for Paul... All of us are in the flesh. And when he talks about flesh, he's not talking about just crass sin, as we tend to think about sins of the flesh. We think about the crass sins. But Paul's talking about the flesh just means all of human nature, sins of human nature. It's all of what makes up human nature. So all of us, Christians included, are in the flesh. But Christians uh, are not... The, the flesh is... Excuse me. All of us are in the flesh. Uh, the flesh is in all of us, but we are not all in the flesh. The, crash, the, the, the flesh is in Christians. As Christians are in the flesh. The flesh is in Christians. Uh, but Christians are in Christ. The flesh is in them, but Christians are in Christ. It's, it's like the ark in the Old Testament. Ark is kind of a... Uh, is, a, is a symbol of, of, of Christ in the Old Testament, we believe, where the animals and the people, uh, they, they are delivered from the deluge because they enter into the ark and they are preserved. And so Christ is a kind of ark. We who are, who are uh, in Christ are delivered. Uh, we are in the ark. So it's one thing uh, to follow Jesus as an example, to see that he's a great teacher, uh, and that his uh, ideals for uh, social order uh, is, is among the best in the world. But it is another thing uh, to actually step into the boat. Uh, and, you know, we can admire him uh, and seek to, to live like him, but unless you are actually in the boat, uh, then uh, the, uh, you're going to drown. So the passage that Paul is talking about here is a remarkable consequence of being in the ark, a marshable consequence of being in Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that that he or she is sinless, exclamation point. It means that God sees them as being new, even as Christ is without spot. Philip Edgecombe Hughes uh, wrote something I'm going to read to you. I think it's really good. And if you ever have studying the Bible and, and you read, want a commentary, if you get it, Philip Edgecombe Hughes a commentary, you got a good one. But here's where he sums up the remarkable consequence of being in Christ. The expression in Christ sums up as briefly and as profoundly as possible the inexhaustible significance of man's redemption. Being in Christ speaks of security in him who has himself borne his own body, borne in his own body the judgment of God against our sin. It speaks of acceptance in him whom God alone is well pleased. It speaks of assurance. 
called a feature in him who is a resurrection of life. It speaks of the inheritance of the glory in him who is the only begotten son is the sole heir of God. It speaks of participation in the divine nature in him who is the everlasting word. It speaks of knowing the truth and being free in that truth in him who, who himself is the truth. All this and very much more that can ever be expressed in human language is meant by being in Christ. So it's no wonder that the apostle describes in absolute terms as this being a new creation. So whoever you are in Christ has nothing to do with who you are. Do you understand that? Whoever you are in Christ has got nothing to do with who you are. It's got who, who Christ is. Behold, the new has come. Behold, this is a remarkable note of jubil- jubilation there. Behold, the new has come. I was doing uh, premarital counseling <clears throat> some years ago, and I'll never forget this, but we were planning a wedding, and, and she says, you know, I'm, I'm she said, I, I feel really disingenuous, she said, about wearing white <laughs> for, my, uh, for my wedding. And I said, well, you know, talk to me about it. And she said, well, you know, I, <clears throat> she talked about her past some, and there's no question about it. She had a very checkered past, so to speak, and white is a, is a symbol of, of purity. Uh, and and, and uh, you can count on the fact that we talked about, behold, I make all things new. Uh, and we talked a great length of that. But that, that's just a, an example of some people that, I, that I've talked to <clears throat> that are, Think this, you know, think there are certain things in their past that that preclude them from being seen by God as totally pure. Uh, and you know, it's remarkable. But and I've, if you notice, we've got some small groups now on, on people who uh, who have abortion in, in in their past. And I'm going to tell you <clears throat> that that is a uh, that is a scar <clears throat> that can come back and get you. Uh, and, and some people actually never recover from it. And it's just like the, the things that, that can happen to you. And it's not just women, by the way. and it, it, It's men, too. Uh, a lot of men who have things that, that are in their past that are that they feel to themselves uh, that, you know, sh- I mean, I understand about grace and I understand about about what you're talking about, but I don't know. You know, this, this may be beyond that. And I, I can I want to assure any, anyone here today that is that could be suffering from anything like that. I mean, let me just assure you that that is not the case, and that Jesus can make all things new. And and little Tina, to some extent, is a, she's all of us. She's all of us. Uh, that's who we are in the flesh. But that sign is is you leave. Behold, I make all things new. Uh, and that that that. That's the bottom line, and, and and I mean, who people say, well, I, I can't undo the past, and I can't I can't do this, but that's the whole thing. He says, behold, I make all things new. I mean, who's talking there? Uh, you know, I make all things new. Uh, I, I, you're absolutely right. You can't undo the past, and you can't do a thing about it, and you can't make yourself new. Uh, but I can't. Jesus can. Behold, I make all things new. And he says, I make all things new. He didn't say, I make <clears throat> just about everything new. 
he didn't say, I can make uh, just about anything you can name, I can make it new. He said, I make all things new. Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. Write it down. I'm telling you, I make all things new. And so, I mean, I, I don't know where you are, but listen to these words because... They, 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 they ought to. I, I can't think of anything that, that is more full of hope and, than, than this. So there are two aspects. Number one is a kind of a cosmic aspect to, uh, to this uh, a new creation uh, where there will be, uh, where this, this world, this broken world will be made right uh, and where there will be <clears throat> no weeping and crying and death shall be no more. And then new creatures where he talks about you and me. No spot, uh, a brand new lease on life. So I, I think that's really what I want to say here was, uh, about that. Is there any questions or observations about anything, whatever? I've forgotten that. And that was out of the, that was out of the uh, Mel Gibson's Passion... Uh, it's uh, it's it's no wonder I think that a lot of really great scholars see see the, these verses as being amongst some of the most important uh, in all of the Bible. Again, I want to welcome the, the Diverts there. Uh, you guys have been uh, you, we pray for you so much that uh, that it's like having a celebrity amongst our midst. You know? <clears throat> but you got a great ministry in, in Nicaragua and. And we thank God for you. That's it. Well, let's go drink some coffee. Let's go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Thanks be to God.